Thanks be to God. Yeah. All right, so if anybody asks if we speak in tongues at this church, you can tell them we speak in a different kind of tongue. <laughs> hey, my name is John. I'm one of your pastors here, and it is good to see you guys. We're kicking off Advent this morning, and I personally love Advent. Um, you can tell by my Advent attire, keeping it real. Um, Hey, we're going to jump into the Gospel of Luke this morning because it's Christmas time. And Christmas time, we all know it's around us and decorations, all of those things. But Christmas time means that you probably have a wish list. And if you don't have a wish list, you've probably been given a wish list to go shop for, right? And so, what I'd love to know is what's the gift that everyone wants? This year, what's on the wish list? Shout them out. Some, what, what are some of those things? Stanley. I got one. Stanley. Yeah. What else? Okay. Yep. That. What else? Xbox. Xbox. Yeah. Xbox. The PS5. I know someone said that new Lulu outfit, right? The Traeger, a puppy, yeah, puppy. What was that? Undertale. Undertale. Yep, that thing too. Undertale. That must be the puppy that has the tail, I think. Um, well, hey, this is this is why I ask. There is something that everyone wants in the world. If we can zoom out, if we can shake out of our consumerism for a moment, and if we go more broadly with the question and we ask the same question, what is the gift that everyone in the world wants? It's peace. Peace with themselves, peace with others, peace in the world. There's an article that came out recently that I read. The article is titled, We All Want Peace, So Why Is It So Elusive? The article concludes with this. This is a quote. War has played a role in our world for approximately 95% of the last three and a half millennia, 3,500 years. It's a tragic commentary about the world because it only takes one person backed by their enablers to shatter our hope for peace. It only takes one person to shatter peace. Why can one person shatter peace? It's because the power of sin. Human sin is the problem and all it takes is one person to unleash the power of sin and evil in the world. One dictator, one shooter, one abuser. And this is why the conclusion of this article is actually true. The conclusion of this article is accurate. But what if? What if the conclusion of this article is incomplete? Because while it only takes one person to shatter peace, 
There is also only one person who can bring peace. And this is why we celebrate Advent, right? This is why today, the first Sunday of Advent, as we kick off this season in the calendar year, but also in the church calendar, the word Advent simply means arrival. And for the last 2,000 years, people have celebrated the arrival of Jesus in the world because he is the one who is actually able to bring peace the peace that everyone so desperately longs for and wants, he is able to bring peace. And this is what we're gonna look at this morning. We're gonna find out why that is. And as we come to the Gospel of Luke this morning, we're gonna answer three questions this morning. What is peace? How does peace come? And what do we do about it? And so let's pray before we dive into the Gospel of Luke this morning. Jesus, we're gathered here this morning as we kick off Advent and celebrate your arrival. Jesus, we know that you are alive and Lord, that you speak. And so we ask that you would speak to us this morning and that your spirit would move in our midst. Amen. Turn in your Bible, get out your app, go to Luke chapter two. We're gonna be reading the passage that was read in all the languages, Luke 2, 14. So what it says, there's an army of angels, a host of angels, and they say this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. So what's going on here? What, what's happening? Jesus has just been born. He's laying in a manger. He's been wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And then there's some shepherds, they're out in the field, they're doing their thing one night, they're hanging out with sheep, minding their own business, when all of a sudden, an angel appears to them. And they're freaked out, right? This angel comes to them, they're thinking, dude, are we hallucinating? What is going on? But the angel knows that they're afraid, and so the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't fear. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. But it's not just an angel that appears, it's the glory of God that appears around these shepherds. And they're told that Jesus has been born. The savior of the world has been born in Bethlehem. Go and see him. And so right after this, right after the army, right after the angel appears, all of a sudden now there's a multitude of angels, literally an army of angels that shows up to these shepherds, and this army of angels announces peace on earth because Jesus has been born. Peace on earth because Jesus has arrived. But what is peace? What is peace? When we think about peace, it's kind of like I just eliminate the stress out of my life, right? Or you know what, I just need to sit in silence, sit in solitude, and, and then I'll, I'll have peace. And when we think about peace, it's, it's the Calm app, right? It's the reason why there's like three million five-star reviews of the Calm app, because the Calm app is what we think about when we think about peace. But what if our view of peace is too small? Because the word peace on earth here, the Greek word for peace, is very, very similar to the Hebrew word shalom. And what that word means is universal flourishing, wholeness, delight, harmony, the way that things are supposed to be. 
And so when Jesus arrives, universal flourishing, wholeness, delight, harmony, the way things are supposed to be also arrives. And this is nothing new though. In order for us to really understand the fullness of this, we need to go back to the beginning, to the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2 at the beginning of the biblical story. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the world and he creates everything in it. The physical material creation, but he also creates humanity, Adam and Eve, in his image, made in his own likeness to be like him. And what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is we see that there's peace with God that there's peace among others, that there's peace with the physical creation, that there's peace with Adam and Eve have peace with themselves because there's nothing bad, there's nothing sad, there's no injury, there's no injustice. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see a picture of shalom, the way that God intended the world to work, the way that God intended the world to be, peace with him, peace with others, peace with creation, peace with, with ourselves. But hearing that, we feel a a kind of dissonance because the world that we live in is not the way that I just described in Genesis 1 and 2. And that's because the story continues. And we come to the next chapter in Genesis 3, and something happens in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, the very people that God made in his image to know him, to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with him, they decide to rebel against God, to rebel against what he has declared good for humanity and for all of creation. And with their willful act of rebellion, something happens in our world and to our world, sin. Sin is unleashed into our world. And when sin is unleashed, this is what sin does. It vandalizes shalom. The shalom in Genesis 1 and 2, sin is the vandalism of shalom. And this is what it does. There will be a a slide up here. Sin vandalizes shalom in these ways, personally. That there's an arrow going up. That sin has vandalized our peace with God. That we are now separated from God and alienated from God. And we see this in Genesis 3. That Adam and Eve once walked in the garden in the cool of the day with God, and now they have to leave the garden because sin cannot be in the presence of God. But sin also, horizontally, the arrow going horizontally, sin also vandalizes our peace with others. We see this with Adam and Eve. They once had flourishing, wholeness, delight in their marriage, but now in Genesis 3, there's tension, and there's arguing, and there's blame shifting between them. The arrow going down is that sin has vandalized our peace with the physical creation. That Adam and Eve were created to work and work is a good thing, but now they're told because of their rebellion that their work's gonna be hard, that it's gonna have thorns and thistles and now there's gonna be increased pain in childbearing. And hear me, I'm a dude, but I have no idea how that was ever not painful, but it's supposedly increased pain. And then the arrow coming back to self. That now peace with ourselves has been vandalized. And we see this in Genesis 3, that Adam and Eve run and hide from God after they sin because they're naked and they are ashamed. And so peace has been vandalized by sin. But it's not just personal, it's way bigger than just us. Sin is not just located in our hearts, 
but sinful people build sinful structures in the world. And so sin is also communal, meaning there's communal dimensions to sin, that shalom has been vandalized communally and structurally and societally. And we see this play out in the biblical story. You look at the Exodus account with Pharaoh and the oppression of God's people in slavery for more than 400 years. And in our world and in our society today, we see that there's structural evil, that shalom has been vandalized through structures, things like pornography and sex trafficking, drug trafficking and drug cartels, unjust governments around the world, that sin is not just in us, but it's also in structures and it's in societies, but it's not just in a society or a structure, but sin is far bigger than just personal and communal, but it's also cosmic in its scope, meaning that there is not a square inch of the world that sin has not vandalized the peace and shalom that God created in creation. So here's what this means. Our problem is way bigger than stress. And we need something way more powerful than the Calm app. Because in order for peace to actually come, it has to reach every single place where sin has affected. It must go as far as the curse of sin is found. Which begs the question, how? How does peace come? How does peace come in the world? Well, these shepherds, They hear this announcement from the angels and the prevailing thought at this time, what people were told to believe and what people were prone to believe was that peace came through Rome, through Caesar Augustus, that it was the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome that Augustus had ushered in during his reign. And what this meant, this peace of Rome, this was a time in Roman history where war and uh, and tension had ceased that there wasn't strife and fighting, but also there was this era of prosperity that had been ushered in, which made people think that, you know what, peace is actually achievable through human effort. But then there's this announcement from the angels saying, peace on earth has come through the birth of Jesus, and this is an intentional contrast to come up against what people were prone to believe because people actually worshiped Caesar Augustus as a god. They thought that he brought peace. There's actually an inscription that's from this time period that can still be found in modern-day Turkey today, and this is what the inscription says about Caesar Augustus. The birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good news, the gospel, for the world that came through him. This is what people are prone to believe at the time, that it's through Caesar where peace could come, but now the angels show up to these shepherds and they say, nope, it ain't him. Caesar's not bringing peace. He's not not God and he can't bring peace to the world. And we hear that and we're like, well, yeah, obviously, the, dude, the dude's dead, the Roman Empire, what is it now? And so we, we hear Augustus, and it's like, of course he couldn't bring peace to the world. You know what? We're prone to believing the same thing. We've tried to bring peace in a lot of different ways. And maybe it's not Caesar Augustus, but we tried it through education. 
If only we know more in the world. But then that same education was used to carry out some of the worst atrocities in the world history. War, eugenics. Education didn't bring peace. And so we said, hey, you know what? Maybe it's through financial stability in the world because poverty is the problem and it leads to all kinds of chaos and discord in the world. But today, there's the least amount of poverty that there ever has been in world history. Hear me, there's still poverty, but it's the least amount of poverty that has ever existed, and we still don't have peace. And so we said, you know what the problem is? It's disease, and it's, it's sickness, and it's decay in the world, and we just need to bring peace through medicine and medical intervention. But hear me, we've all seen drug commercials for medication. And it's like, you know what, you got a few pimples and you're trying to clear it up. And that commercial is like, here's what it can do for you. But at the end, the list of side effects is far more comprehensive. It's like, you need to get rid of your pimples. You might, you might have blood out of your eyes. Your heart might stop. You might have a seizure, but you'll get rid of a few pimples. Medicine hasn't brought peace. There's still no peace. And so if it's not Caesar, if it's not education, if it's not finances, if it's not through medicine and all of the other things that we've tried, how does peace come? The angels tell us in Luke 2.14 that peace has come through the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. And so they make this announcement that peace is here. But here's the thing. Jesus, upon showing up into our world as a baby, he isn't here to create something new. He's come to restore what has been lost because of sin. But it makes us ask the question, what's so special about this dude, Jesus? What's unique about Jesus? Why is he the one who can actually bring peace to the world? When we just said nothing else has done it, what's so special about this baby that's been born? Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. He's the God of the universe who created all things, who holds all things together, and yet now he has chosen to make himself small as a baby, to come near. He's made himself small. He's come into the world, as the Gospel of John tells us, to make his dwelling among us. Or as Eugene Peterson so famously says in the message that God has moved into our neighborhood. This is why the birth of Jesus merits something that no one else's birth in the world has ever merited. An army of angels arriving and singing and throwing a party. It's because he's not just a baby. He's the God of all things. He's the king of creation, and he is the sinless one who has come into the world to deal with the problem of sin. Because while it only takes one person to shatter peace, this is why Jesus is the one person who can actually bring peace to the world. See, this baby that's been born he hasn't just been born to come and be some kind of peaceful hippie and walk around. He wasn't just born so he could be some kind of good teacher and teach you how to meditate and teach you some mindfulness techniques. Hear me, that stuff might be helpful, but that is not what Jesus came to do. 
Jesus was born so he could die. This baby that was born was born to die because the only way that peace will ever come, the only way that peace will ever be restored is if sin is dealt with. Sin has to be dealt with. The power of sin has to be dealt with because all of humanity around the world is in its grips. The grip of sin has to be dismantled. And so Jesus is born in order to die. And what that means is that the gift of peace, it costs something. The gift of peace costs something. Paul tells us, the apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 1.20, the cost of peace. He says that Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross that he made peace by the blood of his cross, that he purchased the gift of peace by hanging on the tree, shedding his blood, because he knew that the only way to bring peace was to bring an end to the source of all hostility in the world, that is sin. And church, This is the message that has been preached for the last 2,000 years. This is the good news of Jesus. This is the good news of Advent, the good news of of Christmas. This is the good news of the gospel. And it is good news for you because what that means is that peace has come in Jesus and it has come for you. That it is through Jesus that you are actually forgiven from all the things that you wish you could undo in your life, all the mistakes you've made, the things you've done that haunt you, the guilt you feel, the shame you feel, you are forgiven, released, and freed in Jesus. That it is the identity that everybody is searching for and trying to create for themselves and making their own identity or believing that you are what you do. In Jesus, you receive an identity because you have been adopted into the family of God and you are now his beloved. Your identity is something you receive. You are a son of God or a child or a daughter of God. A child of God is your identity but it's not just the identity, it's also that it is through Jesus that you experience transformation. Instead of being stuck and instead of being trapped in destructive patterns in your life, you receive the very presence and power of Jesus that you can actually change. True and lasting change is possible through this baby that was born in the manger. And it doesn't stop there, church. It actually gets better because through Jesus, you get to experience freedom. The paralyzing fear of trying to control your life, you no longer have to because you get to live a life of surrender to Jesus and depend on the one who is actually in control. The blood of Jesus brings peace to you and restores peace to the world, and it reaches as far as the curse of sin is found. It's personal, it's communal, and it's cosmic in its scope. But for some of you, as you sit here, you hear that and you're like, well, that's great. You know what? It doesn't actually seem like the gift of peace has arrived. You're talking about Jesus. He was born 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And when I turn on the news, and when I scroll through my social media, and when there's war, and when I look at my family, 
it doesn't seem like peace has actually arrived in our world. Were the angels wrong? This announcement wrong? I think that's a valid question that every one of us has to wrestle with. I don't think it's actually the question. I think that question begs a much deeper question, which is, how is God bringing peace to the world today? Because peace has come in Jesus, but peace is still expanding. Because the, angel, the angels say here in verse 14, they don't say, hey, there's world peace. They say, there's now peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased. Jesus has come, not just for God's people Israel at this time. He's come for the earth, the world. He's come not just for Israel, but he's also come for Gentiles. If you don't know what a Gentile is, it's anyone who's not ethnically Jewish, which means the vast majority of us sitting in this room were Gentiles. Jesus came for Israel and for the Gentiles and for every tribe, tongue, nation, and language in Egypt, in every language that we heard read in the scripture this morning, that the way in which peace comes is to people who encounter Jesus and know Jesus. There is something very specific that Christians actually possess and have and experience that the rest of the world doesn't have because it's only possible through Jesus. And here's the way that Jesus is bringing peace today. Little by little, person by person, place by place, until his peace reaches all of creation. And one day what we know is that it will fill the earth. You think about this. Think about Amazon. I know some of you, you're like, oh, Amazon. I hate Amazon. I can't stand Amazon. I got issues with Jeff Bezos. That's fine. But hear me. Amazon started by Jeff Bezos selling books in his garage. It started in a garage. Amazon is not still confined to a garage. It started in a garage and Amazon has spread around the world. It has expanded worldwide and now it is one of the biggest companies in the world. And in the same way, Jesus is born in a manger, in this stable, in a garage-like space with only a few people around him and peace comes to those few people. But guess what? It has not been confined to the stable in Bethlehem. The peace of Jesus has actually spread around the world and it is still expanding. And guess what? The peace of Christ is way bigger, way bigger than Amazon will ever be. And here's the thing. The shepherds who were so freaked out when the angels came to them and they heard this announcement, they could have never fathomed that 2,000 years later, there would be a room full of people in Tempe, Arizona, worshiping Jesus. They could have never fathomed it. Jesus's own parents, Mary and Joseph, as they held this baby boy, they would have never been able to even comprehend that in 2,000 years, we would be gathered in Tempe, Arizona, around the globe, celebrating the birth of their son. But peace 
has expanded around the world. And in the same way, Mary and Joseph would have never been able to fathom the fact that in 2023, there are currently 2.6 billion Christians in the world today, billion. And they could have never fathomed that that number would have grown from the year prior in 2022 by 44.5 million people. They could have never fathomed that the peace of Christ would spread currently at the rate of 122,000 people around the world are coming to saving faith in Jesus today. It's amazing. The peace of Christ is spreading around the world, and most research says that in 25 years, there will be an additional 1 billion Christians in the world. This is how Jesus' peace comes to our world today. Peace has come, and Jesus is still bringing peace in our world, and it's expanding little by little, person by person, place by place, and throughout history, one of the ways that Jesus expands peace in the world is through his people, that it has been Christians that fought for the abolition of slavery, that created adoption and foster care, that created hospitals, that founded universities, that worked to end wars in peacemaking, the creation of sexual ethics to dignify women and children and protect women and children, to fight against sex trafficking and when people are used as objects and their dignity is stripped from them, it has been Christians who have been fighting against sex trafficking. The creation of addiction recovery programs, the basis for human rights in our world, the care for the poor, that it is statistically shown in research that Christians are the most generous people in the world. And even from a recent survey and, and study in 2023, finding that it is Christians who give more than double the amount of money in our society than non-Christians. This has nothing to do with Christians being better than non-Christians. This is the fruit of peace, but Jesus is the root of peace. This is about Jesus and his peace coming and his peace expanding in the world. But as we talk about peace, it's important that we talk about the already not yet. Because peace has arrived in Jesus. It's already here, but it's not yet fully here. And here's why that is. When Jesus was born, peace came into the world because the kingdom of God has been launched in our world. But the kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet fully here. And what that means is that there are still things in the world and in your life that aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Because the presence of sin is still in our world. And as I say that, some of you are here this morning and you feel it. You don't feel peace. You actually feel pain. This holiday season, holidays are hard. And as this season comes around this year, hits different because you're grieving the loss of your mom. Because you're grieving the loss of your marriage that ended. You're grieving the loss of one of your closest relationships. But it's not just loss, it's also loneliness. 
that for some of you, this holiday season, you're not gonna get to see your family. And it looks like you might celebrate alone. You feel like nobody reaches out to you, you're not getting invited places, or you're, you don't even have anybody to buy you gifts. And there's just this loneliness that you feel. And if you're honest, you would say, man, I don't, I don't feel the peace that you're talking about. And if that's you, what you need to know is that you're experiencing the not yet. And Jesus hasn't abandoned you in the not yet. He's with you in the not yet. He's for you in the not yet. He's holding on to you in the not yet, and he will bring you through it. Here's the thing about peace. Peace isn't just the removal of all hard and painful things in life, but peace is actually in the midst of hardship you can experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding because Jesus is, as we're told in the gospel, his name is Emmanuel. He is with you, which means that whether you're in a storm, he's with you in the storm, or whether you're in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with you. But here's what you also need to hear. The not yet is not final. The not yet is not final. The not yet is not final because one day peace will fill the world because sin and all of its effects, all of the ways that peace has been vandalized in our world, they will be gone. As we celebrate Advent, the first Advent, Jesus's arrival, we also wait for the second Advent as Jake led us in that lament. We're waiting for the second Advent when Jesus will return and make all things new. It's what we're told in Revelation 21, verse four. When Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes, death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We celebrate and we wait. But if the birth of Jesus means that peace has come, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Verse 14, glory to God in the highest is what the angels say. We rejoice, rejoice like the angels. And we hear that a lot. There's songs that say rejoice, rejoice. But here's the thing, this time of year, the message of Christmas can get crowded out and drown out by the noise, by the busyness, by the shopping, all of the things that we have to do. <coughs> and it's easy to forget the beauty of Christmas. But church, let us never let the good news of Jesus grow old. Let us never let it get boring. Let us never let it become stale. You can rejoice like the angels because God has not left you to fend for yourselves in the midst of a broken world, but God has actually graciously taken the initiative to do something about it, to come to earth, to put on flesh and move into our neighborhood. And he's bringing peace to every people, place and problem in the world. You can rejoice like the angels, because Jesus' peace actually has the power to change lives, to change generations, to change communities, to break cycles of sin, to free from addiction, to restore marriages, to end violence, to resolve loneliness, to end oppression. This is the good news of Jesus' arrival. 
We can rejoice like the angels, but part of rejoicing like the angels also means that we proclaim like the angels because the angels rejoiced glory to God in the highest and they proclaimed peace on earth. We get to join in on the proclamation of peace to the world because salvation is here. Salvation is come. And what that means is that peace is now possible. Last year, it was springtime. I remember it was Ash Wednesday. I woke up Ash Wednesday morning and I woke up early because Warren and I, we were gonna be leading the prayer rally, the men's prayer rally that morning. Woke up early to a text message. And it said, John, I need help. I was like, oh, okay. And see who the text message is from. And it's from a friend of mine named Izzy. And we began to exchange text messages and having this conversation. And I find out that Izzy is in a pretty bad spot. His mental health is fragile. He's got all of this inner turmoil and it's leading him to crippling anxiety that is hindering and affecting his life his job, his friendships, everything. And he says, man, John, man, I'm just searching for peace. I'm looking for peace and I can't seem to find it. The last few years with COVID and everything that's happened, man, I feel like I've tried everything. I've been self-medicating and nothing is working. I need help. I'm like, whoa. We start exchanging messages here and there for a few weeks. And I'm like, man, I know Easter's coming up. I know Jim's preaching. I know what Jim's preaching on. I'm like, man, you know what? Dude, would you come to Redemption Tempe on on Easter? And you know, when you invite someone to church, it's like, I don't know if they're gonna show up, Um, especially on Easter, you know? And uh, he came and he showed up. And it was during Jim's sermon that he encountered the very presence of Jesus. And I remember after the service, he's like, man, dude, I just feel this peace that I haven't found. It's like, yeah, man. And so we start talking and we meet up after Easter. He ends up uh, surrendering his life to Jesus and we're meeting for coffee. And he's like, John, there is nowhere else in the world, nothing in the world that can bring the kind of peace that I have with Jesus. I'm like, yeah. It's because you're experiencing the very thing that the angels announced here. But I wonder for you, who's the Izzy in your life? Who's the person in your life that is searching for peace? Maybe you're like, I don't know. Who's the person in your life that's struggling? The coworker that you have, your neighbor, one of your family members that's going through it, a friend that you have. Who's struggling in this season? Because the greatest gift that they could receive is the peace of Christ in their life. And the thing I wanna invite all of you to do is to pray. Pray today, pray this week. Pray and ask God and then begin to think about the ways that you could share the announcement of peace with this person in your life. And if you don't know even how to do that, invite them to Christmas Eve. The sermon on Christmas Eve is gonna be about how Jesus brings peace to you. And it would be a great way to to start that. Invite him on Christmas Eve. But this is how we can rejoice like the angels. Because as the angels rejoice and say, glory to God in the highest, and they proclaim peace on earth, you can too. Because the gift that you want 
has already been purchased and delivered. And the greatest gift you could ever receive is not the one under the tree, but it's the baby who was born to hang on the tree. Let's pray. Jesus, Christmas is about you. And Lord, we, we just acknowledge that, it, that sometimes it's easy to forget that and lose sight of that in the holiday season. But Jesus, we know that, that your arrival brings peace to the world. We, we know that the angel's announcement is true and it is accurate. And Jesus, we have experienced it. And Lord, for that, we rejoice. And Jesus, I pray for anybody who's here, who, who is searching for peace or whatever reason, they, they stumbled in these doors this morning, they're going through it, they're struggling, maybe they got invited, whatever it may be, Jesus, I, I believe that you are speaking and working and I pray that your spirit would be drawing them to yourself. Jesus, you've given us great reason to rejoice and I pray that that's what we would do. It's in your name, amen.